Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. You know people who continuously receive the consequence of their sin and they heard the gospel, they have heard the gospel, they are hearing the gospel, or they are Christians and they continue to walk in rebellion and receive consequence and they do not turn. There is something about sin and rebellion that makes us insensate to the things and will of God. That's part of being a slave to sin. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Could you imagine going to your employer and asking him for a check for work you didn't do? Well, unfortunately, too many Christians ask God for blessings even though they refuse to live by His written Word, the Bible. Well, today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to Leviticus chapter 26 as he points out the importance and benefits of living by the Word of God. Let's join him for today's message, God's Word is His Bond. Notice here in chapter 26, and it's pretty lengthy, so you know we're not going to cover verse by verse, but we will point certain things out. In verse 3 down to 13, you have the blessings God promised. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them. Notice first, if you walk in my statutes. Second, if you keep my commandments. Third, if you perform them. It's not enough to have and to hear, but you must do. You find this through the New Testament. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because their lifestyle was, was hypocritical. They heard, but they didn't do. They taught, but they didn't do. The blessings fall into three groups. You find them from verse 4 on down to verse 13. The first group, God gives provisions for food, verses 4 and 5. God would ensure that He would water their crops. God would give everything necessary. They were to sow, they were to reap. God would take care of the rest. But secondly, notice verse 5, they would have an abundance of harvest. Not only would they sow and reap, but it would be abundantly. This would be tied to the blessing, to the obedience of the Word of God. You and I are the same way. If we are a doer of the Word of God, we reap not only God's early and latter rains in terms of what causes the goodness to come to our life, but we have an abundance of it. Did Jesus not say, I came to give you life and life more abundant? In verses 6 through 10, you have God's protection from man and beast. He says, I will give you peace in the land. You shall lie down and none will... I will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemy. They shall fall by the sword before you. Five shall chase a hundred, and a hundred shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemy shall fall by the sword before you. He goes on to speak there, verse 9, And I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. But there is a third blessing. The third one is in verse 11 through 13. God's promise of dwelling with them. This may not seem anything to you if you don't know God, but what a tremendous privilege that God would want to dwell with you. That God would promise to dwell with you. He says, I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you walk upright. But following the blessings comes the cursings. They were found in verses 14 through 39. First of all, notice that they're a lot longer. The cursings outweigh the blessings. Please mark that well. And also notice, they not only are progressive, but they intensify in their judgment. Once again, the condition stated is given up front, verses 14 and 15. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform all my commandments but break my covenant, there's the condition. One, if you do not obey me. Two, if you do not observe all my commandments. Three, if you despise my Sabbath, so on and so forth, and break my covenant. You know, God warns us so specific, he never lays anything out sort of cloudy. He doesn't say, well, you're getting warm. No. He lays it out. You know exactly. When Jesus called the disciples, he says, listen, you guys want to follow me? You guys have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You sure you want to follow me? They're going to Jerusalem. The disciples think they're going to go rule. They're arguing about who's going to be number one. Jesus continually said, I want to go die. Even when they didn't want to believe it, Jesus continually kept warning them and telling them the truth. I'm going to die. God always tells you the truth. The cursings fall into five judgments, which are progressive as well as intensifying in severity if repentance is not manifested. The first judgment is found in verses 16 through 17. He says, I will do this also to you. I will even appoint terrors over you, wasting disease and fever, causing sorrows of heart, They'll sow, but they'll sow in vain. Their enemy shall lead it. And he says, now we'll set my face against you. They'll be defeated by their enemy. Those who hate you shall reign over you. You shall flee when no one pursues you. God declares it straight out here that he himself will fight against them. He makes no bones about it. He doesn't apologize, but he lays it straight out. And yet, when God begins to bring consequence on our life, so often people say, well, how could God? Wait a minute, wait a minute. How could you? Who's more faithful, you or God? Who is prone to break the promise, you or God? It's me, not God. Notice the second judgment in verses 18 through 20. And after all this, if you do not obey, now he's given the warning. They have not heeded it. If you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sin. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strain shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. There it is again. The people in the land are tied together. Notice pride. It's the basis of rebellion. 
Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride. You may label it something else. You may say, no, it's not that, it's this and that. But if you label enough of the labels off, at the bottom you'll find pride. Pride kills us. Pride destroys us. Pride keeps us from forgiving. Pride keeps us from saying yes. Pride keeps us from yielding. Pride keeps us from humbling ourselves. The third judgment is verse 21 and 22. If you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send the beast among you and shall rob you of your children, destroy the livestock and make you few in number and your highway shall be desolate. You say, how could God do that? God didn't do that. They did it. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 17, around verse 25, 26, when the northern kingdom went into captivity and they brought in other people of the land to settle in Samaria and then they began to intermarry and all that, God allowed the beast to come in and to begin to kill the people and, and the children. And so they sent priests from Babylon over to Samaria to teach them so they can worship the gods of, of, of the beasts and all that. And they had already distorted all the worship of Jehovah. Ezekiel promises the same thing, that their children would be robbed by beasts and everything in captivity. The fourth judgment, verse 23 through 26. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you. I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. There's a repetition of that. And I will bring a sword against you and will execute vengeance in my covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send pestilence among you and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I have cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake their bread in one oven. In other words, there'll be little wheat and they shall bring back to you your bread by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Notice now we're at the fourth judgment. Four times God has brought consequences. Four times they have not repented. You say, how could they not repent? Look around you. You know people who continuously receive the consequence of their sin and they heard the gospel, they have heard the gospel, they are hearing the gospel, or they are Christians and they continue to walk in rebellion and receive consequences and they do not turn. There is something about Sin and rebellion that makes us insensate to the things and will of God. And it sucks us in. And we get pulled into its power. And we see the destruction. We know the destruction. And in spite of that, we do it. That's part of deception. That's part of being a slave to sin. You can't stop because you have given your will over to that power. It controls you. There's a perfect example in the book of Amos. But Amos chapter um, 4, listen verse 6 on. He says, Also I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when you were still there, three months of harvest. I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and whether it did not rain on the other part withered. So, two or three cities wandered to another city to drink um, water. In other words, they went there, but they were not satisfied. You have not returned to me, says the Lord. God reigned in one part, not another. God withheld rain altogether. All kinds of different things. What'd they do? They just went to their city, grabbed water, came back. They didn't repent. I blasted you with blight and mildew, 
When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, your locusts devoured them, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you plagues after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with the sword, along with the captives and the horses. I made uh, the stench of your camps to come up into your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Notice over and over and over again. That's what we're reading in Leviticus here. Notice now, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a brand, a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Listen to the conclusion. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, and because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. What scary words. Because you do not repent, because you keep grieving me, you keep rebelling, prepare to meet your God. There is a line where God says enough is enough. Old and New Testament. Don't think that grace begins in Matthew. You better go back to Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Remember Amos when you read Leviticus 26. The fifth judgment is in verse 27 through 39. He says, And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, I will chastise you, verse 28. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, verse 29. You can find evidence of this in Lamentations 2.20, Ezekiel 5.10. As Babylon came and besieged the city three times, they ate their children. Read the accounts of Josephus. Even in the time of 70 AD, you say, how could people do that? But this is the product of sin. This is the product of sin. Stop and look at your life, how you, you were born, you were raised. And, and when you were a kid, remember when you were a kid, you think, oh man, the world isn't that, I'm going to do this. You know, you're so, I mean, you've got such hope and everything. And as you progress through the world, things come into your life. You get into your 20s, your teens, and you're pretty beat up. You get into your 30s, and, and unless you, you have some cleansing, unless you have some turn from sin, sin will destroy your life. I mean, we don't have to get real philosophical. Look around our society. Look around our homes, our families. Look around our schools. All they want to do is put metal detectors now. I got a better solution. Why don't they just kick everybody out that doesn't want to study? Turn them back to the parents. Kick them out of school. You don't want to study? You want to go target shooting? You're out. Why are we afraid to bring consequences? It's hard to believe. You know, I grew up in the 60s, and I used to get kicked out of school for having my hair over my ears or having my T-shirt out. We're afraid to bring consequences to people. And therefore, authority is destroyed. And every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Anarchy, the book of Judges. In verse 30, he would destroy their hard places. Verse 31, he would lay their cities waste. Verse 32, he would bring the land to desolation. Verse 33, he would scatter them among the nations. Verse 34 and 35, he speaks about restoring the land to its own rest. Then the land shall enjoy the Sabbath as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. For the time it did not rest on your Sabbath when you dwelt in them. Read 2 Chronicles 36, 21. It gives the reason why they went to captivity because they did not let the land rest. Every seventh year they were to let the land rest. Don't sow it, don't harvest, don't do anything. And they didn't do it. Why? Money. And so God says, you don't want to let it rest? I'll send you to 70-year captivities, seven sevens, and you will allow the land to rest. 
The remainder from verse 36 to 39 is the promise that those who were left after captivity as a remnant would be fearful of their enemy and would have no courage whatsoever. There you have the cursings promised by God. Boy, they sure outweigh the blessings, don't they? You look at the world around you, there are a lot more bad things that can happen than good things, isn't there? Murphy's Law, if something will go wrong, it will. Why? We live in a fallen world. Depraved, rebellious. And for that reason, we should draw closer to God and be more obedient to the Word of God. But notice, God doesn't leave there just with the blessing and cursing, but in verse 40 down to 45, we have the mercy God promises in the midst of rebellion. The conditions are found in verses 40 through 41. But if they confess their iniquity and iniquities of their fathers and their unfaithfulness, the word is treacherousness, in which they were unfaithful to me, and that they also have walked contrary to me, and that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of the enemies, if their uncircumcised heart are humbled and they accept their guilt. Notice the conditions. First, confess sin and their treachery against God. Verse 40. If you're in rebellion, if you're in sin, then this is the first condition you must meet. You must confess your sin and your treachery against God. If you don't come to this first step, you can't go any further. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Secondly, confess that God has brought all these things upon them as well as their captivity. The first portion of verse 41. That all that has come upon you is a result of your rebellion against God. There are consequences. Third, they are to cry out in humility and circumcise their heart. The remainder there, verse 41, in the middle. A uncircumcised heart means a rebellious heart. One that is living for itself. One that is, does not acknowledge God. It's throughout the scriptures. Fourthly, confess their personal accountability of guilt. The last portion of verse 41. This is very important. And they accept their guilt. Do you accept your guilt for what you've done? We always want to blame somebody else. You must take that guilt and say, Lord, I was the guilty one. And then he hears you. These are the four conditions. If you will meet these conditions, he says he will be there to forgive you, to cleanse you. Never to mention your sins ever before you again. But if you want to bargain with God, he doesn't hear. Did not Solomon cry out in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? You're all familiar with that verse. We quote it all the time. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. What is he quoting? He's quoting the promises here in Leviticus, the promises in Deuteronomy, the same thing. King Solomon did this at the inauguration of the temple. Blessings, cursings, but God's provisions of mercy for repentance. Thank God for that. We don't have to continue in our sin. We don't have to live in the consequences of our sin of our life. We can turn and receive the blessing of God in spite of the sin, in spite of the consequences, and allow God's grace to give us a sufficient grace to live in spite of and with the sin. You understand what I'm talking about? Some of you cannot go back. You cannot go back to your first wife. You've got two wives. Maybe it's your third wife. We're up to the world now. We've got about three average marriages in the church today. Then you remain with that one. You be faithful. You be godly and you please God. You cannot undo the past, but you certainly can undo the present and change the future. 
through your repentance. The promise is in verse 42 through 45. He says, then, and only then, first I will remember my covenant with Jacob. Verse 42. Isaac. You go back to Genesis 12, to Exodus 24. Secondly, he says that he would not remove the consequence of their sin. Verse 43 is very, very important. The land also shall be left empty by them and will enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. They will accept their guilt because they despise my judgments and because their soul abhors my statutes. God will forgive you. God will blot everything out, but he cannot remove the consequences. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If you have made a mistake, you're a young lady and you got pregnant, you've got a child and the guy was a weasel and left you, you come to God, he'll forgive you, he'll bless you, but he cannot make that child disappear. You understand what I'm talking about? The consequences will not be removed. So young people will think about it well. You better protect yourself. You want the best for God? I have never spoken to one person, male or female, who gave up their virtue that ever said, I didn't regret it. Never. And I've never talked to any person who held out and who said, man, I regret it. I wish I would have lost it. No way. You hang on. And you've got to hold out because God has someone very, very special for you. The consequence will be there. He will not remove them. But thirdly, notice that God would remove or remain faithful to fulfill the covenant of the remnant and the land. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. And then he speaks about how he brought them out of Egypt, a repeated phrase through here in verse 45. Romans 11, 25, 26 says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. Israel is back in the land. Blindness is still there, but God has been faithful to His people in the land. Yet they have not occupied all the land. When will they occupy it? In the millennial kingdom. They will never do it on this side of heaven. It will have to be when Christ returns and He reigns and He sets up the millennial and they occupy the land. And so here you have the promise. In spite of rebellion, God's mercy. Mercy is less than we deserve. Grace is something we don't deserve. And God's grace and mercy follow us if we obey the word of God. Please do not exclude yourself as you look at chapter 26. You're thinking, well, I'm glad it's speaking to Israel. No, no, no. It's speaking to you also. Israel has promised blessings and curses as we've seen here. But the church equally has promised blessings and curses as you study the messages of the church of Revelation. But the Christian also has promised and exhorted to obey and to continue and abide in God's word lest he deceive himself and not be a doer. And he finds himself building his house on the sand and not on the rock. And so I cannot help but to take this entire study and to turn it around to us. Where are we? Do we think we're the exception to the rule? Do we think that we are different than Israel? I don't think so. You yourself have experienced consequences of rebellion and disobedience to God's word. And so have I. You know plenty of people who have suffered tragic things because of rebellion and disobedience. 
That should be sufficient, but it isn't. We have to be reminded of God's word. God is the God of his word, and his word is his bond. Read it, study it, live it, and obey it. And you will never, ever regret it. Pastor Xavier Reese, with a simple reminder about the importance of adhering to the Word of God. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study called God's Word is His Bond. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is God's Word is His Bond. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, be sure to join Pastor Xavier Reese for more inspiration from God's Word. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 